Hi, and welcome back to the Too Much Lime podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Julia. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about how relationships are impacted by illness and how we eventually find our way throughout them as we begin to live with our illness. And so we're going to be talking a bit about friendships and, you know, significant others, dating, long-term partners, and, you know, siblings and families. Um, Because this is something that is really important to talk about. And Maddie and I both talk about this between the two of us a lot because, you know, while you become sick and in the process in the years or months after being diagnosed and beginning your healing journey or battle, however you want to say it, um, it's inevitable that there is going to be challenges with people you love and the relationships that you have because you kind of have to put sometimes those on hold a bit. You know, you you really have to put yourself at the center and be selfish because you need to put your health and your body and your healing first, and that can make some really big challenges with friendships. Um, mm-hmm. So do we want to start with friends? Do we want to talk about partners? What are you thinking? Let's start with family, like your immediate and your extended family, only because I feel like that's who kind of sees you the most when you're sick, because a lot of times it's like your family might be your caretakers or you might be living at home or something like that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, So I can start a little bit. So I have um, three older sisters and two parents who all have been at home forever. Um. Just for the record, she has two older sisters. Oh, yes. Two older sisters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those days. Um, Anyways, I, um, but when I was about eight or ten years old, my oldest sister got really sick, actually. And so my family is very well versed in living with a chronically ill and terrifyingly sick child. So, um, you know, because of that, we're an extremely close family because you know, throughout my middle school and high school years, I thought my older sister was going to die, and that was very traumatizing. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of made us, you know, almost appreciate one another and appreciate health and being together more than, you know, a traditional family might. And so when I got sick, in a lot of ways, I'm glad that my family had already been through the experience, but it was also really tough because my whole family now has a bit of, you know, trauma or stress around it. So I remember telling my sisters like, oh my God, something's wrong. I'm going to the hospital. And they both had pretty severe anxiety attacks because they automatically get transplanted back to when we were kids. And oh my God, this whole thing's going to happen again. And, you know, worst case scenarios start to buzz in your mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you know, throughout the process, my sisters who, again, are older than me, so they were not living at home at the time, would really prioritize coming home to see me, you know, because they recognized how important that was when we were kids, and they knew that it would be in my healing process as well. And I'm so, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, they're my best friends in the world. I'm so grateful for it. Um, But I lived predominantly at home, like Maddie, just with myself and my two parents as my you know, caregivers and, you know, my 21st birthday was spent with my parents. (laughs) Like, you know, it was just all the time. It was just us. Um, And that can be really, um, 
you know, stressful, wonderful, but also, you know, it's weird to be, you know, at school one minute, living on your own, being very independent, doing your own thing, and then all of a sudden be back to being under your parents' roof and they have to literally, like, bring your dinner up to you in bed because you can't get out of bed. So you definitely revert a bit to your childhood self. And for me, having left university and needing to move at home, there was definitely a bit of that, like, you know, I almost, like, regressed a bit mentally. And it, it, it can definitely cause problems. Like, I love my parents so much. I'm extremely close with my mom and dad. But it's inevitable that when you are kind of balancing a caregiving and parental role that things can get murky and things can get really stressful, especially when you're, you know, you need to make tough decisions about, you know, what medicine I'm going to do, what treatment I'm going to do. And there's a lot more voices at the table than just yourself because people are helping take care of you. Mm -hmm. And I think I remember this being a problem almost probably like six months ago or something, just um, the problem of like, you're an adult so you're over the age of 18 so technically you make your own medical decisions but because you're living at home and because I happen to be close with my parents and they're very helpful and they go to a lot of doctor's appointments and and stuff like that the decision making while yes it's my decision you feel obligated to take everybody else's opinion into account which I think a lot of times is great because having more perspectives can be helpful but then other times when you're kind of clashing heads on what someone one person you know everybody's split over what you should do then it can become really hard to find your voice and say you know this is this is my body this is my decision this is what I feel comfortable with doing and my parents were very um receptive to that when that happened but it definitely like we had some growing pains with it because for a while I kind of sat there and just said I can't hear I know what I want to do and I can't hear any more outside opinions right now like we can't talk about this anymore right um which can be really hard when someone doesn't feel like they've said everything that they have to say um but it's that this age of getting sick, I I find it very awkward because you're not like quite an adult, but you're technically an adult. So it just kind of gets a little, like you said, murky. Yeah. Yeah. And then having to have those conversations about health choices, like in some ways for me, like I, (laughs) again, like really regressed my childhood self. Like I just want my parents to be happy with me and never disappoint them. And so in making those decisions, like, that can be a whole added barrier, the fact that you're making those decisions with your parents. I find it a lot harder to disagree with my parents than I do disagree with other people. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, kind of adds a whole new layer onto it when you're kind of creating this team to figure out, okay, what's the next action step, Um, you know, when those team members are people that you have such a personal connection with that can definitely make it even more challenging and put strain on relationships that may already be you know really healthy or may already be strained so it's definitely it's def it adds a whole new piece to the challenging puzzle of 
living at home with your parents. <laughs> yes. No, for sure. And I think going further than that into like extended family almost Mm -hmm. it can be hard one thing that I've found hard is like keeping everybody up to date because I of course like there are some things that I I keep private and we I, I don't share with like extended family but everybody asks how I'm doing and my extended family um my dad's whole side of the family lives like five minutes from where we live so it's ever I see everybody pretty often and so it can be hard to make that line of like what do I want to say and what do I not want to say but also feeling kind of like well I, I know that they're worried and that they care and so I want to be able to give them the information or I want to be able to give them good news so sometimes it's then like okay I kind of feel as if I have to say that I'm fine mm. um, or that I'm getting better or that I always say my go-to is like, you know, I, I, I think we're we're headed in the right direction. Like, just taking it day by day. Like, those are my two canned quotes yeah. <laughs> that I yeah. use. If any family members are listening, I'm sorry. But, um, <laughs> no, but it's true. It's like, that's a much better... It's so much easier to be like, I'm getting there, like, slowly but surely. That's always what I would say. And that's a much more, like, comfortable response and conversation than sometimes what the truth of the moment is, you know? And I feel like a lot of times with family and cousins and relatives, like, you just want to keep everyone, like, comfortable in a weird way. Like, you don't want to upset anybody. So you're not going to be, yeah, like... Yeah, and almost as if, like, your illness is... it's It goes back to, like, that idea of your illness is your fault. So, therefore, you are placing the burden of them being uncomfortable or worried or scared. Right. But it's it's not your fault like that's it's trying to separate that as like your illness is a separate entity like as like it it wasn't that you are doing this to someone and I um I find that hard sometimes too yeah I remember you know people would know it's it and it goes again it goes back to that thing of like people know you're sick but you don't look sick and when they see you you're putting on a brave face and your adrenaline is kicking in so you may not you know, I'm not going to sit on the couch all day when my entire mom's side of the family comes for Thanksgiving. Instead, I'm going to be kind of moving around the house trying to talk to people because I haven't seen them all year. And I may not appear to be struggling, but then, you know, I remember the first Thanksgiving, actually, that my mom's family did come. You know, all 30 of us are here. And I was really, like, put literally all of my energy that first day into talking to everybody. And I love them all so much. So, I, like, am super hyper and blah, blah, blah. And that night, (laughs) I had one of the worst panic attacks of my life that night. Like, uh, you know, I took – I was trying – I started a new medicine, and so it interacted with my other medicine, and it was a whole thing. But I remember, like, everybody left, and I went to go to bed, and then I was awake in the middle of the night hallucinating and hearing voices, and I literally slept in my parents' bed as a 21-year-old, and – the next morning, everyone's like, oh, okay, like, good morning, happy Thanksgiving, like, how are we doing? And I was like, oh, I didn't sleep well, but I'm fine, you know, rather than being like, actually, this crazy actually, shit Actually, that was a horrific night. Exactly, yeah. you know, because it's just not, I don't want to ruin the mood. <laughs> I don't want to ruin the mood. Yeah, you're like, I don't really want to bring down the atmosphere. I know, I, um, we had family dinner uh, Saturday um, of this, today, we're recording on a Tuesday, so um, this past weekend. And 
I was just not feeling well all day. I like had just this like that profound fatigue where you're just like I literally can't sit up like at a table and like try like I need to be laying down like I need to be and um my brother was home and he was only home for that day because he was just came home for something quick and then he was going back so like I wanted to spend time with him because I don't get to see my brother that often so we were playing um a board game you know got through the board game and you know had a nice time but was just exhausted so I went to bed but then we had family coming over at like 5 30 or something and my dad came in to wake me up like two different times and I was just like I literally can't get up and I made it out finally an hour after everybody had gotten there and like just trying to pretend like I had just been napping or something and you know like like no it's fine just like and my whole extended family kind of knows that like if because we have family dinners pretty often like if I come out late it's because I'm not feeling well so everybody just kind of gets on board but right it's that same thing it's like okay I gotta like you know I didn't get dressed or anything I just like walked out in what I was wearing right like, there's nothing I can do right and I think it's important to note it doesn't you know even though Maddie and I are saying like you know we feel that we don't want to put the burden of our story and our reality onto you it doesn't mean that I don't love my cousins literally more than anything like we both come from pretty close families and, you know, we see our extended family a lot and they mean a lot to us. And I feel so close with them, but it doesn't, you know, I think a theme of this episode that we're going to say a lot of times is that even though we are not necessarily telling you everything that's going on, it doesn't mean that we don't care about you or we care any less about you or we trust you any less. It's sometimes just that it's easier not to get into it all the time. Yeah, and it's like I don't want to focus on it that much. And right. it's also exhausting if, like, we have pretty large extended families, so trying right. to keep everyone up to date can be kind of hard. Right. So something that I've done is kind of like a lot of times my extended family just asks my parents Yeah. Um, for, like, an update or something if they really want to know. And um, – my parents give like whatever version we've kind of decided that I'm comfortable with sharing and then that kind of takes some of the burden off me um but you know like it's yeah it's it's it has nothing to do with like I think it's funny because you kind of sit there and you say like I, I think a lot of people sit there and are like oh well like yeah you don't trust me enough to tell me these things and I'm like no I just really like I'm exhausted and I can't get into it and it's right. like much it's also a much longer story than I think other people expect it to be sometimes. So it's like, if we actually got into this, we would have to leave wherever we are because it would take too long. Right. Like, where do you want to start? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that's family. Um, Do you have anything else on family, Jules? No, I think that's it. And I think it's, you know, Maddie and I are both lucky enough to come from extremely supportive nuclear families and Mm -hmm. not everybody has that. And so I definitely feel like that's something that we're both extremely grateful for, you know, having that support system in place. And, you know, hopefully everyone listening, even if it's not a family, you have some type of support system that you're able to, you know, rely heavily on because you really need some entity, some person to help you out in, I think, any chronic illness journey, no matter what. (laughs) I... I can move into that's like a great segue for me to talk briefly about um dating somebody during being sick because I started dating Dustin before I got sick 
we knew each other when we were kids. And so he kind of knows the before sick and the after sick of Julia. And Mm -hmm. going through that experience, we had only been dating, I don't know, a couple of years when I got sick. And I love that you say a couple of years. What? As if, like, that's a short amount of time, oh. but, like, in the <laughs> scheme of your relationship, yes, it is short. <laughs> exactly. We've been together forever. It's kind of ridiculous. But um, we were already, like, we had a long-distance relationship. There was already a bit of strain and stress because we could not see each other, and now here comes this bomb dropped on me. And his mother actually had a pretty severe case of Lyme, so he, when I got the diagnosis, he was more freaked out than I was, which is funny looking back on it um I was like oh it's fine I'm gonna take some antibiotics and he was like oh sweetie (laughs) he's like no 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 no, no." um so but that being said you know it has been one of the most difficult things ever to maintain a relationship with someone that you love so much while you are like I'm very acutely aware not not so much now but I remember in that first year probably first two years that I was really sick I you know multiple conversations with Justin and I where I was like break up with me like we need to stop dating because frankly I am ruining your life now like you are always going to think of me as like a sick person you're always going to be sad and I'm just dragging you down, like, frankly. Like, I'm boring. I can't do anything. I can't even go out to dinner. I can't get off the couch. Like, I don't want you to have to take care of me. And it was a really shitty conversation. Like, I cried all the freaking time about it. But it was, I think, a great, like, those were really good conversations because it is, you know, if you are in a relationship with someone when you get sick, like, if you choose to stay together that relationship is completely different than it would have been. Like, our relationship now is very different than it was pre-sickness or with someone who is of normal health. And, you know, now we know that, you know, we're in it for the long haul, blah, 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 blah. But it it's something that needs to be talked about at the beginning because otherwise – you know, if Justin didn't know full well what was going to happen in terms of, like, you know, expectations of what I can do and, like, when we hang out together, I'm probably just going to sit on the couch and you have to cook me dinner and I feel really sick and I'm just going to complain to you and there's nothing you can do to really help my pain. You know, all of those burdens that, you know, your family members or, or your parents, for Maddie and I as our caretakers, like, they have to put up with it but your partner doesn't necessarily have to. Like, you know, they're not blood related to you. They can get out and (laughs) he could get, he could have gotten out. They can leave when you're complaining. They can leave. And now, obviously it's too late now, Justin's in it. But like, there was a lot of conversations about, I just had so much guilt. Like, being like, why would you date me anymore? Like, I am boring. Like, I'm literally not going to be fun anymore. Like, And it was so sad because it was like my, in that period, I thought my life was over. And so I was like, my life is over. Your life shouldn't also be over. Like that was always the conversation we had. And, you know, now my life is not over. I love life, blah, 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 blah. 
But it doesn't mean that we still don't have a lot of strain and a much different relationship than the average 24-year-old couple. Like, you know, I think people are always like, oh my god, you guys are a great couple, which we are, but we also, like, you know, when quarantine hit, we had to take it, you know, much more seriously than the average person. Like, I didn't leave the house or go into a moving vehicle for three months. Like, it was kind of insane. And Justin had to be, like, our sole caretaker. <laughs> you know, like, just little things like that. Or knowing that I just can't do as much as the average person. Like, if we have friends coming over, I might not be able to be there the whole time. Like, I might have to go take a nap. I might not be able to do a fun weekend date night that we were planning on doing. And instead, we just have to lay on the couch and watch a movie and I can't even talk to you. And it's like that expectation is different. And yes. so making like it's almost like the conversations that you were having were setting up the expectations for him. Like if you stay, this is what it's gonna be. Exactly. And like, this is what at you're least for the foreseeable for. future. Yeah. Yeah. And like now And it's it sounds harsh, but it's you have to set that boundary for yourself because you can't have differing expectations about what life is going to look like for you right because you know what your body is and is not able to do and your your partner has to understand that and accept that as well because if you're always being pushed to do something that you can't do you're going to give in sometimes and it's going to make you worse right right and now he's more aware of (laughs) like I'll want to do something and he's like no that's gonna make you feel sick we should really just do nothing like it's honestly like like your stop sign now yes now he's my stop sign now he's like no Julia last time we took a really long walk you got really sick so let's not do that this time so you know it has become something beautiful and wonderful but I do think for those people listening who are in a long-term partnership or if you're married or whatever you know, I think it is important to recognize that things are different. There's a difference in it, and it can be really hard. It's still amazing and wonderful, but, you know, give your partner a high five because they're hopefully killing it. (laughs) Yes, and I think this is a great thing, something that I wanted to add to family too, but I think it goes to all relationships is, and we're going to have a separate episode where we bring um, both of our moms on as well Mm -hmm. to talk about being like a primary caretaker of somebody who's chronically ill because this episode is definitely going to focus more on the struggles that the chronically ill individual has in relationships but we would be remiss to not mention that there's a huge emotional physical you know spiritual mental toll that happens on those around you and those who love someone who is sick right because that is not easy whatsoever and so I just we're not diminishing that we're just gonna have a separate episode for it right right Jocelyn talks about that all the time like and obviously my my mom talks about all like you know anyone who's around you who loves you and who are this few people that really see how sick I feel you know that's the other thing is like if you have a long-term partner who's become your family like they are in they're in it like they see how sick you actually are and that just makes that burden and that emotional toll that much higher like Justin and I because there's nothing they can do exactly he's like I will be in so much pain and he's like okay let me 
you know, try to, like, make you a juice or, like, can I run you a bath? Like, he knows to run through X amount of things that sometimes help, but there's just a, a acknowledgement that sometimes he just can't do anything. Yeah, and that's hard. So I just wanted to put that in there because I forgot about it for family and stuff. But yeah. um, the other side of that coin is dating, which is me. Um, so I haven't figured this out yet, so I'm not giving anybody any advice. But, <laughs> um, Work in progress. I find it very difficult, and I think a lot of people do, that if you're sick and you're dating or you're, you know, just trying to figure it out and find someone that you care about because I actually remember having a conversation with someone recently about this of feeling like it wasn't fair to bring the baggage that I have like in in a similar way to Julia having those conversations with Justin he was already there so those conversations were present but it's like me sometimes feeling guilty about like should I even be in a relationship? Like, should I even start one? Is it fair to bring that to someone's doorstep and be like, here you go, help me deal with this mm-hmm. instead of just dealing with it on your own and being like, I, I don't want to infect anyone else with like, the sadness and the stress that comes with living this kind of life. Mm. And um, I, and then the other part of it is, are you really upfront about it and you say it like right away or you get to know the person first and then when you feel comfortable bring up the fact that you aren't super well and stuff like that and and whatnot and it kind of you go back and at least I do I go back and forth with it about like how upfront to be because it's not something that I hide so I have a podcast I don't hide it (laughs) but I I don't know when to like when it's fair to bring that up and expect because if you if you tell everyone the second that you sit down at dinner or something like that that person is just going to have such a colored view of your relationship from the start but then also if you tell someone after are you like after you say you know them for a couple months or something and then you say say something about it it's like then do you bring it up and then is that fair to that person to then like have not told a huge part of who you are and so like it just ends up being kind of a mess so it's, um, if you're similarly a mess with this, high five, we're in the same camp. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's really all I have to say on that because I have no wisdom. But <laughs> I, um, I honestly think that because of that, and I think because it has so many hard choices, you have to do what feels right to you. You know, whatever that is and whatever you feel comfortable with, like it's it's your life and it's your body and, you know, your um story to tell so that's just revealing that when you feel comfortable and and not really letting anyone say what is best if that makes sense right right and I think you know I think we're gonna go into talking about friendships and that's kind of you know I think throughout all of these and friendships next especially like there's no correct way to do it like there's no right way to handle how you navigate relationships as someone with limited energy in the world and you know the way that I do it with Justin or do it with my friends or family doesn't mean that that's like the correct way to do it it just I think the key in you know all of illness and healing and everything is that you find what works best for you and so for dating and for partners and family relationships like 
it really is about finding what fills your cup the most and what does not drain your energy the most. Yeah. And I think everybody, because everybody's symptoms are different, everybody's relationships are different, their support systems are different, you have to make, you know, your decisions are not going to be the same. So you have to make sure that you're doing what makes you the healthiest and happiest and, you know, takes care of those around you as well. Exactly. And so you know, now we're going to move to friendships, which I think will definitely be the most to talk about because it's so important and it's so confusing, like having friends as someone who was acutely and really sick and now like lifelong sickness type thing. Um, you know, I remember a lot of my friends when, you know, we lived together. I got sick at the start of my junior year. We all lived together. We were super tight since freshman year. I love them all with all my heart. And then one day I literally just bounced. I was like, all right, I'm out. I can't hit. Like, I'm sick. Boom. I'm gone. And I literally didn't clean out my room. Like, I actually left to go to the hospital that day. I then just didn't come back. Like, there was no goodbye. It was literally like, I'm Yeah, I'm you're done. like, I didn't say, I didn't tell anybody. I just left. Exactly. And it was really hard, but it was also like, I, <laughs> I already don't like to use my phone and I'm horrible at texting. And then you add on, like, I am too ill to create sentences, mm-hmm. which like I still struggle with, but especially back then, like I just couldn't piece words together like I can't text you how I'm feeling like it's just not gonna work and so you know you you don't lose relationships but your relationships are a bit different especially for me in that time where I was acutely ill living at home and away from all these people you know everyone at school knew I was sick I remember a bunch of my friends like sent me all these letters saying like get well soon cards it was the sweetest thing in the world but they really didn't know what was happening because I wasn't telling them what was happening. Like, I, it was nothing against them. I just couldn't fathom sharing everything yet. I was like, this is way too dark. I got to find my way through it before I can even tell you what's going on. And so a lot of them listened to this, the podcast episode of my story, then Maddie's story. And texted me saying, like, oh, my God, you know, we were friends during that time. Like, I lived an hour away from you. I saw you throughout that time. And I did not know that, like, any of this was happening. Like, so many people texted me saying, like, I knew you were sick, but I didn't know, like, you were that sick. You know? And I think it's just a part of the – you almost have to not click pause on relationships. Or for me, I almost had to, like – put those aside for a little bit to get well like I really didn't talk to anybody like I would of course text my friends and you know check in with them every couple weeks but in the interim I was just literally too sick to even fathom texting someone like I was on my couch (laughs) yeah and and I think isn't it also like first of all you're in survival mode so like that's all you're focused on is like your next breath and the next time you get to go to bed or like, you know, whatever it is. But then also it's like, especially when something's so sudden like that, sometimes I think you kind of have to figure it out for yourself and digest it before you can then 
like regurgitate it to anyone else and tell them what's happening because if you don't get it or like you're still confused or you haven't come to terms with it or just like whatever's happening you have to get to and it's not like I mean obviously these things change and like our perspectives on on being ill and your symptoms and your illnesses change but like if you can't grasp it you can't tell anyone about it right right and it wasn't until I mean for me personally it wasn't until 2020 that I was like finally ready to look at look back on what had happened and I was listening to a podcast today or yesterday and they said something like it's not until your body starts to feel safe that you can begin the work of looking back on what made you feel unsafe and that really felt Mm -hmm. right for me like in 2020 at the start of quarantine which was a horrible horrible (laughs) time and I was fortunate enough not to be a um first line responder so I was able to going to lockdown and um during that time I like was finally starting to feel a little bit better and I then it was just like okay what has actually happened during this time and now I have started to talk much more openly with my friends about (laughs) the past four years that they kind of were in the dark for because I was a hermit crab but it's it's it takes some time you know and it's not like I was ever not being, you know, actively trying not to be friends with people. It's more that I had to focus all of my efforts on being healthy that, like, anything else seemed, like, so unimportant compared to that. Yeah, and it is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't think that that's a wild, like you know thing to say like you know your health is the most important thing like just biologically like yes you of course went into a mode of like I need to find a way to live not you know keep everybody updated on how I'm dying exactly yeah keep everyone updated like yeah exactly that's not that was not my priority (laughs) yeah so and I think that's okay and another whole part of friendships is um I think Julia and I have talked about this a little bit with each other, but sometimes our perspectives change. And for me, I think deepen a little bit. Like I've really taken a greater appreciation for the little things and for... Just putting things into better perspective, I think, for me, about what matters and what matters but just isn't as important. Yeah. Um, And so for that, like, for me, sometimes it can be really hard to have, like, surface-level conversations with people Mm -hmm. because I just don't have as much of an interest in that type of stuff anymore. Um, And if I'm going to expend energy that I have, I'd rather it be talking about things that obviously like I care about and that interest me and things like that and it's just not those surface level things anymore and so sometimes that constrains friendships because especially when you're young like everybody develops those senses at different times in their lives and so if you're not at the same place as someone um, then you know relationships that you had before you got sick are going to be different than after because you're trying to 
you're, you have a relationship and like a basis of a relationship that's kind of not there anymore because you're now different people. Right. Right. I was just going to say that like, you know, for me, I talk about like a, a very distinct like before and after of like this being sick. And I know for Maddie, for you, it's a bit different, but I think no matter what, when you have the experience of being sick, whether it's been kind of present in your life forever or if there's a clear turning point, like you um, are a different, like I'm a, I'm a different person than I would have been. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you know, I have friendships from high school or from when I was younger or even people from college and they see me now and I am... Like, I'm just actually a different human being. Like, I'm not the same person that I was my freshman year of college. So that can really strain relationships if you were friends with old Julia and now all of a sudden it's like there's just this new person that I am. And that person for me is also a lot more cognizant of my energy expenditure. And relationships are, you know, can be hopefully a two-way street in terms of energy but some people can just be a drain on energy without necessarily you know keeping in mind that you're sick you know all of my friends from college for instance came over July 4th and were the most incredible beautiful people who are so aware and in tune with the fact that I have to be energy balancing and so the whole time they're like are you okay? You know, how was your energy levels? How about you go lay down and we'll do this? You know, just I need people in my life who are willing to kind of put what they want to talk about or what they want to do aside for my energy and also be okay with the fact that I am unable to do things. Like we were supposed to all go to Vermont for my friend's birthday and I had to text them at the last minute being like, I physically cannot handle that like I can't sleep outside of my house I'm really tired I can't handle that and there was no anger on their side they were like we totally understand absolutely like feel better prioritize your health and that's really hard because we had planned this for a while you know like this was an actual plan and I just had to put my body first and so that can be really hard on relationships like I had to back out of a whole amazing weekend because of it And so if you, you know, I'm not, I can't be friends with someone who will get offended by that. (laughs) Yeah. And so then that can be, those are relationships sometimes that you can grow apart from. Exactly. When someone isn't in a place where they are able to understand without judgment, that's when... It, I've been really lucky that that hasn't been super common, but it can be. Um, and it doesn't just have to be from friends. It can be from family members, people that you've, you know, all all different relationships. And so those are the ones that, like, I think it's a pretty common topic to talk about, you know, things that you've lost in illness and, like, people who, you know, didn't believe you or didn't care enough or, you know, weren't able to meet you where your body was at kind of which I feel like that's a lot of what we have to do now it's like being a friend is meeting me where my body is at where it can what it can and what it can't do and like being okay with that um which if you're not in it every day can be really hard 
because it can be hard to understand. Right. Um, so I kind of get that in a way too. But you also, like, we have to preserve our health. So, and then, like, your mental well-being. Like, you can't feel guilty all the time for making someone angry. Right. So, you know, there there's, like, a give and take. Right, right. And I don't think people also know, like, how tiring <laughs> talking to people is. Like, I <laughs> really am not I, – I probably was a social person before I was sick – but my family calls me the Grinch now because literally all I want to do is, like, be by myself on the top of a mountain with my dog and Justin. Like, I, I can, you know, I'll talk to you every couple days and I love you all so much, but, like, I'll see you next year. Like, I am a hermit. Like, now I'm literally a hermit crab. Like, I don't. And it's really because I also think I'm just, like, at a point in my healing where I need to, like, do more inner work and stuff like that. And that tends to be a bit more like personal than it is hanging out with other people but Maddie and I were just talking before we started recording and I I said um like I feel like this sounds very hippy dippy but like people I can't be around like certain people's energy anymore like I used to be able to tolerate everybody and love everybody and now when I'm around certain people who just are like really negative or are focusing on things in life that when you compare them to being sick or in the grand scheme of things really don't matter or you know stuff like that or going through their own thing I just can't handle it I'm just like nope not for me like I'm out (laughs) and it sounds really bad and it is definitely selfish but it's something that in this moment is what my body and healing and whatever it's just what I need. Like, I need this. I can't. It's not even worth it for me to try to maintain a conversation or a relationship at the moment that is going to be draining to me because of your energy. Yeah. And, like, let's put it this way. Julie and I live three minutes away, maybe. Yeah. Um, And right now we're three minutes away. Recording this podcast is tiring enough we sit here for like an hour and and do this and stuff and we've been home and probably recorded I don't know three or four podcasts since we've both been home and we've never done it together because the sole experience I feel like of if I was sitting in front of Julia right now I would have like that would take more energy because you have like you're aware that you're like in a different environment and you're with someone else you have to be like I don't know, you are you have to be, like, you're sitting up straighter, you're not, like, you know, like, sometimes when I'm doing this, I'm, like, while Julia's talking, I'm, like, hunched over because I'm exhausted or something. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, you right. have to, like, so we still, like, we literally live three minutes away and we do this virtually. Exactly. <laughs> and it's kind of like that, the boundaries, you know, how we talked about boundaries in a previous episode about stress and things like that. And just what you, you touched on there saying, like, we are in our own home environments. Like, leaving my little bubble is also really hard. Like, I don't like to leave my house. <laughs> Again, hermit crab. But it's that, like, that boundary of feeling, you know, when you're sick, like, you just want to make yourself feel the best and safest so that your body can relax and get better and anything, even if it's, like, going out to dinner or going to a friend's house like that disrupts that like I don't I would so much rather 
I don't even know, like have a friend come here. Like I can't leave my little safe zone. Otherwise it's really hard and it's really stressful. And mm-hmm. and it's in your, in your like safe zone, you get to control what's going on. You can control all of it. Right. Whereas if I walk out into the world, I can only control me. Exactly. Yeah. People and can so then just things be throw you off. wild cards. <laughs> people are weird, guys. It's, people it's okay, but cards. people can be weird. But it is really important, um, you know, like, I think as we end this episode to, again, come back to that, like, even though, you know, my junior year, I remember the one time that I did go back to visit my friends was they were all going to, like, a formal for our sorority or something like that. And they, you know, we had dinner beforehand and everyone's like, how are you doing? How are you doing? And I don't even remember what I said, which is comical and classic. But I remember <laughs> dropping them off at formal, coming ha- coming back and going to bed and being like, they, like, they think that we've caught up. And I literally told them, like, nothing about what's actually happening. And it wasn't, it's never because we don't love you. Like, we doesn't mean anything against a relationship or a friendship if we're not divulging everything that's happening to us it sometimes just means that we are not ready to do that or we are not you know it's not going to suit us like it's going to make me have a flare or trigger me or whatever it is and so <laughs> even if it may seem like we're hiding things from you or we don't confide in you as much as you may want or expect from a best friendship or whatever it you know it's not it's not like that like I don't know how else to phrase it like no it's just it's what we're capable of versus what you what we want to do are two very different things exactly like we we sometimes just need our own space I need to figure it out on my own before I can figure it out with you or tell you about it you know yeah Mm -hmm, for sure so I think um that's a good spot to end because that's kind of you know that applies to all types of relationships. You know, it's not just friends, it's family, it's your caretakers, it's friends you make after you've gotten sick who didn't know you beforehand um, and all of those different things. And so we hope that if you are ill or you love someone who's ill, this was helpful and maybe um, more for those who are ill right now just to understand and feel seen a little bit. And then... um, in the future, we will have one episode that will talk really more to the burden and the the stress that it can put on the other side of the equation. Um, but we've already made it pretty far in this one, so we will save that for another day. Yes. And we will catch you next time on the Too Much Lime podcast.